All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 27 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. My name is Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. That he is. Best one I know, actually. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show... We're going to be talking about our favorite inks for drawing as well as shading, uh, ways that you can improve your handwriting a little bit, and digital natives and why they're drawn to fountain pens. So how about that? Are we digital natives, Drew? I don't know. You know what? I think that we are uniquely situated to... I don't think uh, we are. I don't think we can be classified as digital natives. we're, we're on the cusp, you know? We spent a lot of our childhood with no internets and then... Uh, you know, also some formative years with some internets. So, uh, you know, I'd say that we're we're in a good position to completely speak unintelligently about this topic. So, looking it up online, this is, I just, you know, it's one of those terms where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know what a digital native is, but like, do I actually? So, it's a no. person born or brought up during the age of digital technology and therefore familiar with computers and the internet from an early age. Ooh, early. So often referring to millennials, Gen Z, and Generation Alpha. These individuals yeah. can consume digital information, stimuli quickly, blah, 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 mobile phones, social media, etc. So We can do those things. I think millennials, those around our age, tend yeah. to fall either in or out of that group depending on when that technology was introduced in their particular family, school, environment, etc. So All right. I know my parents were a little more technology forward, so I probably may fall more into the digital native territory than your average 37 year old which is our age right. our, our our collective ages respective it collective is. individual ages anywho yes. let's start off with some feedback shall we drew i like today's let's. feedback it's really fun i just want to say but go yeah ahead. i'm excited about the feedback too <laughs> um we have a comment from lajoy on youtube and she says decimo yes I own four Vanishing Point pens, and I love my Decimo the best. Ooh. And you're right about not enough variety of colors. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome, LaJoy. I recently fell in love with the Pilot Decimo, and I'm feeling bold in saying that it is superior to the Vanishing Point in a lot of ways. It's kind of like the Explorer, Brian, where I don't think it's better inherently, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think it's right up there and probably deserves to compete a little bit more fairly than it often gets credit for. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll stand on the hill. Might not die on it, but I'll get severely injured upon that hill. You would take a, a non-mortal wound on a hill? Yes, for yes. I will, I'll lose a limb on that hill. Okay. You've, um, been, you've been making some bold claims lately on some pen opinions. <laughs> Why the heck not, I man? I say. think it's you. It's your fault. Like, you're so gray area. I'm feeling now... <laughs> That I'm like having to make these definitive statements without any sort of you know uh, explanation, proof, or uh, justification. So you're welcome. I'm balancing the scales. I don't even know I'm doing it. It's just it's just happening by it's happening. You know, me trying to correct you know the universe's balance from your shenanigans. I don't know. What can I say? I live in the gray, Drew. <laughs> All right. And then Kimberly, also from YouTube, says, Thank you, Drew. I bought the <laughs> McDonald's Transformers off eBay. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. So, yes. Last week, I talked about how one of the many, many rabbit holes I went down was buying the robot hamburgers and uh, also a few wow. of the dinosaur transforming ones. But Kimberly also followed me down the rabbit hole buying some 
for uh, she said I've been looking for Christmas gifts for my hubby who collects Transformers. I hope he doesn't already have them. Probably not. Either probably way. not. Probably not. Though there were probably millions of those things out there at that time. They they were yeah they're they're the coolest. But well, like thank you for reminding me that I'm not alone, Kimberly. Wow. I appreciate are they, that. Are they actual transformers? Like or are they no, just no 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 like, no. They they are transforming food items. Gotcha. Okay. They are not branded transformers. Okay, that's what I thought. Because yeah. I was like I don't remember transformers ever being food in the shows or anything like that. But. No no no. They had a they had an animal period, but uh, not not yeah. not food period. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and then finally, Dale says, and this was just, this was not specific to uh, our podcast last week, but um, this was actually in response to your video, Brian, about should I write with a fountain pen? But I liked it so much and it encompassed so much of what I love about pens. I wanted to share Dale's comment here. Hmm. So Dale says, fountain pens are as close to magic wands as you can get. They're fiddly tools that come in a nice box that if you buy the right one and the right ink, using them is like magic. The fun is trying pens like Harry Potter at Ollivander's and seeing what they can do. Fountain pens feel good to use and good to own and are way cheaper than a sports car. Well, that is true. Most of them. Like a magic wand, Brian. Finding the right one that doesn't explode all the boxes behind poor Mr. Ollivander. Like that. That's really what it's about. I love it. I love the magic wand comparison. So thank you, Dale. That is pretty cool. I think that's appropriate. Um, got some good feedback here. This is in response to the accidental collections, which I think is so delightful just hearing about. Other oh my gosh, these comments! There are <laughs> there were so many, Brian. I really had to. It it hurt to not include all of them because there were yes. so many good okay. accidental collections that people shared with us. So if somehow this episode is the one that you've stumbled across first. Go back to episode 26 and listen to us talking about accidental collections and look at the comments because it's pretty hilarious. Um, So Robin says, llamas. I thought they were cute, sure, but a joke somehow led to a coworker buying me a llama lamp and it just snowballed from there. Now I have a ring holder, a build-your-own-stuffed llama kit, a llama (laughs) corn calendar. I don't even know what that is. Llama socks galore. Guess I love llamas now. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is the very Robin. definition. That is, that's the quintessential accidental collection like story right there. Yes. Oh god, I love it. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, Thank you, Robin. Some other good ones. Uh, Garsim Gar- Garsimpa five hundred says cat themed mugs. I have a cat and I drink tea. So people think that it's great to buy me a cat-themed <laughs> mug. I mean, look, it's not that far off, right? Like, it's not as accidental as the llama thing with Robin, but I see I see the thing there. And then it's like, plus there's, so, there's probably so many cat-themed mugs out there. It's just like anywhere you go, you're going to find a cat-themed mug. And you'll be like, oh, that's right. You know, so-and-so at the office likes cats. And they could use a mug. Sure, cat mug. There's yep. your gift. You don't realize they're getting 12 of them every Christmas. Um, And then Gretchen says, and this just warms my heart. I told my grandmother that purple hangers were my favorite when I was a kid. I wanted to hang my coat on the purple hanger. So for the rest of her days, she would gift me every purple hanger she found. Yes, coat hangers, purple coat hangers. But see, that to me is like super sweet. Like, I would just be like, yeah, I have a closet full of purple coat hangers because my grandma loved me and thought about me all the time. That's pretty cool. But it's kind of awful, though, because you can never get rid of them or else you'll feel really bad. 
I mean, look, at some point, right? Like, I don't know. When grandma's not around anymore, you could get rid of those hangers. No one will know or care. Oh, that that point, the hangers purpose. become even more special, though, Brian. Do they, though? I don't know. Don't That's know. up for debate. There, there were so many good ones, though. Somebody said <laughs> that because they're allergic to pineapples, people buy them pineapple stuff. So they have this massive pineapple collection, even though, like... It's their mortal enemy. It's like what? Superman having a kryptonite collection. You know? Okay, so the pineapple so. thing, look, that thing, I didn't know, but pineapple apparently is like a sign of hospitality. So yeah. there are so many home items with pineapples on them. Like Rachel and I, we have no sense of style. Like home decor. I mean, you see the birds, like the birds <laughs> around the house. That's like the most themed thing of anything. Well, that that's what got done. this whole conversation started. It did indeed. Um, but yeah, we, uh, this, just, this is a really funny story. Rachel and I are not very social people, even though we're like very personable and we do the online thing, just like we got kids in a business and we're busy and Rachel's really introverted and I'm into all these just really obscure interests like puzzles and woodworking and, you know, lumberjacking in the woods. It's just very difficult for us to find like other couples that we can all just like hang out together and have any type of a normal conversation so when we were first married we tried to get together with another couple that was around our age newly married that kind of thing we we're like okay cool yeah there were like some interest or whatever i think we met them at our church or something it was like all right maybe you know we'll try it like we'll just we're out of we're out of school like what do we do like rachel worked remotely at her job i was power washing houses with my dad so like we didn't have co-workers to hang out with we're like we'll just try like meeting some people it's like blind dating for couples so we met these people and we go over to their apartment for the first time and they have pineapple stuff everywhere and we're like what the heck is up with all the pineapples and we just straight up asked them we're like all right seriously what's with the pineapples and they're like oh yeah we love pineapples it means hospitality and we're like oh apparently it's a thing yeah i've seen like columns in front of houses with big giant pineapples on. yeah them. right same with mm-hmm. the star. Do you see like big stars on people's yeah, houses? Yeah, that, that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of a country thing. I think that's what a Virginia is that? thing. Where did that come from? Was it like I, in a song or a movie or something? Because like I feel like around ten years ago, you started to see these giant metal stars on people's yeah. houses, and I'm just like, did I'd I, be willing to bet that a bunch of them just started showing up at like a know, like a Texas thing, like Lone Star State, like that. I can no, see makes sense, I, but like I don't think so. I think it's just a I, it's just a thing. I think it's just a thing. Yeah, I think a bunch of them probably just got made for you know All home right. goods I or mean, something like that. And okay, I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a a South thing. It, it seems like it yeah. Would be. Is it? Let us know Maybe. in the comments. Let us know in the comments yeah. of wherever you are. If people hang giant stars on their house, just one star, like yeah. a giant like, usually, star on the side of your usually house. maroon. Yeah, maroon or black or something like yeah. that, like a painted metal giant star. Not giant, like probably two feet and, you know, two feet or so. Big enough where you can definitely tell. Yeah, big tell, enough. You can see it from like, the streets. It's totally on purpose. And you're like, whoa, there's a star on that house. And I'm just, I I feel like I'm like, does everybody else know something that I don't know? Like, Yeah, right on the, the side of the house. Like when, when has anyone ever in history just hung a decoration right on the side of their home? I don't know, like... You're, That's not really decoration territory. Like your country's like flag or something. If you're like being very, but you don't patriotic. just stick it right on the side of the house. Yeah, I know. That's weird. I don't know. What do people do? see? I don't know. I don't I'm know. just that's a good question, Brian. All right, yeah. we're getting to the Rachel, right questions here on the pencast. Like, we are. We are. We're this getting, is the real information. You tuned in for you tuned in for this. Getting no to the doubt. root of things. All right. Um, one more comment here. This is from 
Oh my gosh. ERTGFD1078. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Rickshaw Bagworks 3 pen case that fits perfectly in the cell phone pocket of my cargo pants. Oh yeah. So I have three pens on me at all times. This is like if Drew and I were to like meld into one person. We would That's why I got pen- this on here. <laughs> we would have That's why I put this time. on here. I was like, this is amazing. That is fantastic. Um, at work, using the reciprocating saw, cutting out roots or anything else. Awesome. I highly recommend it. Drew does have a great video on how many pens to keep inked, which is where I discovered the three pen case from Rickshaw. Look at this. This 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 person is the if we were a Venn diagram they're they're right there in the middle wearing the cargo shorts using the reciprocating saw on roots but yet disciplined enough to stick to the three pen system we've we've either greatly enhanced their life in some very obscure ways or we're being trolled and we don't realize it mm. but either way I think I'm okay with it I'm just going to take it as yeah, a compliment so I'm fine with that yeah all right. Let's move on to some new stuff, shall we? Some actually pen-related things that we could talk about here. New stuff. So um, let's start off talking about we, I'll say had, because we probably won't have them by Friday when this this, uh, movie, movie, no way, video, recording, when this launches. um, We had a new Herbert pen, which we've not had in quite a while. This is a Churchill model and Jonathan Brooks material, if you're familiar with Jonathan Brooks, he is Carolina Pens. Um, he has done the legendary primary manipulation resin, so he hand makes all his own resin, and we were able to coordinate between Jonathan Brooks and Chet Herbert, which is cool because they're like buddies and they do pen shows and stuff. So it's like kind of like pen show underground, you know, independent pen maker kind of a collab, which is pretty cool. Um, so uh, we had all of those. It took us a really long time to coordinate that. It's probably not going to happen again, or maybe not for a really long time. So we'll see. But hope you got one. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, and also, Jonathan Brooks is going to be making some resin for Visconti, which is that's a big deal. Exciting. That is a big deal. Um, so Visconti is going to be launching their Astral Collection on the Medici, starting with the Nova Blue and Stellar Red. Should be available pretty soon after this launches this video, um, or shortly after. So be on the lookout for that coming out. It should be pretty neato yeah very very cool color so if you missed out on the herbert pen visconti's got you covered there you go um, for a, brooks is, a little bit more money though yeah 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 brooks's <laughs> resin uh they're really beautiful because the depth that he's able to achieve in his resins oh, it's yeah. not just a bunch of colors right there on the surface like you can see one color is under another under another they're really fun to look at you can it's stare cool. at them all day yeah actually david parker from fig boot on pens did a really cool uh i guess interview video like tutorial type thing sitting down with jonathan brooks and he really explains how he makes those materials pretty fascinating if you're into chemistry and just you know material making pen making that kind of stuff it's very much like pen nerd territory but it's pretty fascinating and uh, i found it to be completely compelling all right yes indeed Um, Also, uh, we've got some new pens coming down the pipeline from Sailor. So last year they started their Pillow Book Collection, which is a very, very old collection of uh, um, short essays, a very old Japanese book from the 1000s. Um, So the first one was uh, Midnight, uh, Midnight Sky, and now they're coming out with Autumn Sky, which is a reddish coral uh, pen in the Pro Gear collection. So Pro Gear Slim, Pro Gear, and the King of Pens um, Pro Gear, so the flat top version. So those will be available. Um, we're thinking the day this 
goes live, this video. Um, and like Brian said, if not, shortly after. So that is neat. Again, uh, this is going to be an annual collection, I believe. So we'll see another one next year. But if collecting is your deal and you already have the Midnight Sky, you might want to take a look at this one. Very cool. All yeah. right. Now we're going to ease on into the Q&A portion of the pencast here. We're moving it right along now that we finished our 12-minute intro of nonsense. Yay! So let's start off. Drew's going to kick us off with the first question. Let's kick it off. And we're going to start with a question from Dead Poet Wannabe. And this <laughs> wannabe deceased poet aficionado asks us, how often should you totally clean out your pens if you don't change inks? Meaning, if you keep the same color mm. and you're just refilling it, do you need to be as... Um, as uh, diligent or, mm. um, yeah, like in in giving the thing a whole big old flush. Yeah. I mean, if you do the do what I do and not what I say thing, the answer would be as seldom as humanly possible um, because I basically will clean out my pen when it's dry and won't write anymore. That's kind of the rule that I use, which can very widely based on the ink and the pen in question, maybe your environment and how dry or humid it is in your relative atmosphere. Um, I don't think there's like a hard and fast rule, but I would say that most manufacturers recommend, recommend, you know, flushing on a regular basis. Of course, if you're inking it back up with the same ink, you do not need to go through as full and detailed of a cleaning as you do as if you're changing colors drastically. So I tend to recommend to people maybe once a month or so, just go ahead and flush it out with water a couple of times before you ink it back up. You know, that just kind of gets some things moving in there, but it's not trying to get every little bit of that dye out of the pen. Touch it to a paper towel to get the remaining water out and then ink it back up with the same color and you're going to be good to go for another month probably. You know, um, that's going to vary a lot. If you have a really broad nib and it writes really wet, it's probably going to be more forgiving than if you have a super, super fine nib and it just tends to be very stingy with ink. Those are going to be more sensitive to, you know, how often you clean the pens and stuff like that. So it's going to vary a lot. Use your common sense. If you feel like it's you're having to write with more pressure or it's skipping more or it's just not writing like you feel like it used to, it literally could just mean that you need to clean the pen. So go ahead and give it a thorough cleaning. And then um, if you're actually having like drying writing issues, give it a thorough cleaning and then re-ink it. Um, but if you're just doing it on a regular basis, just kind of do it whenever you think about it or whenever it's convenient around once a month and don't really sweat it unless you have problems. It's kind of my approach. Yeah, and it does vary widely. Like you mentioned, if you have a pen that seals incredibly well, you could go a very, very, very long time without hardly any maintenance at all. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side of things, if you have a pen that you're using a very viscous ink in that is prone to drying out, that's not super watery, and you have a pen that doesn't seal very well, it doesn't matter whether or not you're inking it up with that again and again and again. It's going to get crusty and junky, and you're going to need to clean it much more often. So yeah. you're mainly dealing with the type of ink and how well your pen seals. Those two variables are probably the biggest factors in how long you could probably go using the same ink without having to totally flush it. Yeah. So if you want to prolong, if you are the type of person that, hey, I just need one ink, 
pick an ink that you know might be a little bit more on the wet side doesn't have like a ton of dye in it you know stuff that's going to you know make it dry out a little bit faster perhaps and then choose a pen that you know seals incredibly well maybe something with a spring-loaded inner cap or something like that mm-hmm. twisbees are great platinum is amazing uh Lamy's are pretty good um and pilot's excellent yeah, to nuance that with just one more thought that kind of popped into my head, um, everything Drew said is right there. I think those tend to be the the most common things, especially if you're maybe you know using the pen less frequently or more you know intermittently kind of thing. Then definitely the pen like drying out or the ink kind of like getting thicker in the in the pen and not flowing as well may be you know your utmost concern. But I, if you're writing with the pen a lot. The reason you may actually need to clean it out doesn't actually have anything to do with the ink. It has to do with the paper. So you can actually, uh, when you're writing, the the tip of the nib is metal. And when you're writing, you're creating friction, which drags across the paper. That creates actually a very small static charge. And that static charge can actually attract paper fibers and dirt and dust and things like that. And over time, that can kind of build up in the in the slit of the nib, in the feed. You know, combine that with kind of intermittent writing and especially if you have a paper that's like a cotton fiber or just a really inexpensive paper and it's not heavily sized you know it's it tends to you know maybe let more of that fiber kind of loose in the paper as you're writing and if your nib is you know not the smoothest thing and it's scratching a little bit and bring drawing those fibers up the reason you may need to clean your pen actually isn't because of the ink it's because the paper so if you're using a very heavily sized really high quality paper you'll probably find that that is happening less but if you're using a really fine nib on some really absorbent paper with loose fibers it's going to actually scratch up and drag up more of that fiber stuff and you may find that it tends to to dry out more just because it's basically getting clogged with with junk as you're writing with it so that's a good that's a good reason to clean it on a pretty regular basis too cool all right. Next question we have is from Kupsivara. This says, hi, Brian and Drew. Favorite inks slash pens to doodle slash draw with? Lots of slashes happening there. Um, and then, Drew, I think you drop this second one in here because it's along the same lines. Egg Bunny says, best inks for extra fine or fine pens and best pens for illustration or artists. So kind of in that drawing vein. And we'll let you take this one because you do way more drawing than I do. And that's not saying a whole lot. Like I don't do, I don't draw anything and then keep it. But I do love to doodle, and mm. I've been doodling all my life, and I, I greatly enjoy it. And fountain pens have helped me enjoy it more. So, um, regarding what Egg Bunny says, uh, fa- extra fines and fines are definitely, I think, the most common go-to choice. I know I prefer them because, you know, you can always layer and add more strokes to thicken a line up you can't kind of take them away so starting with an extra fine you know is always a great idea i like a deep black like a very flat very very dark black um usually a pigmented black if i'm doodling um and actually want it to look pretty awesome like sailor kiwaguro or platinum carbon black they are really really dense black you know and they look really great on the paper and they put down really really solid lines you could also go with a fast drying like gray like noodler's lexington gray that one is going to be a little bit more uh, prone to feathering if you're using a more absorbent paper but it dries fast so you're not going to get your hands all inky and it layers well so if you wanted to use a gray you can you know if you have a like a broader nib you can actually start to 
put layers on top of itself. So if you didn't want to just go with a flat black and you wanted a little bit more of a depth, then starting with a gray that you can stroke over um, is a, not a bad idea. For pens, I like an extra fine with a little bit of line variation, a little bit of bounce like the Pilot Falcon. That one, like I personally have a Pilot Custom 912, uh, but I actually find that the Falcon is a little bit better in keeping up with a little bit of line variation than the 912. I personally love the 912, but I've found that I've needed to do some tweaking to get it to where I want it to be. And with the Falcon, I find that right out of the box, it performs a little bit more consistently in my opinion. So starting with an extra fine Falcon, it's going to be a little scratchy, but it's tuned really well. So you don't need to put down a lot of pressure, just drag. And that is great for cross hatching. And then if you did want to thicken up the line a little bit, if you wanted to give an outline stroke or just define certain, you know, shadows or other portions, you know, starting off with it, like finishing up a cross hatch where it gets really, really dense and you just do one big stroke, flexing it just a little bit. Like the Falcon stock nib is not meant to be flexed and flexed and over and over and over again. But every now and then, if you want to just do a swoop, then it's great. You're not going to spring the tines doing it every so often um, with, you know, paying attention to it, not over flexing it for sure. Um, and then on the far end of the spectrum, if you wanted to not go extra fine or flex using a big honking German broad or double broad, if you can find it, we usually just sell the broads, but like a Pelican, you know, gold nib broad or a Lamy 2000 gold nib broad, like those things. The fun part about those is that if you're doing really simplistic line art, you know, you're talking just more like, you know, like a logo or, you know, a cartoon, just starting off with a big honking black line and having everything be the same width, that there's something really clean looking about that. So that would be my other suggestion. If you're not going with the more detailed cross hatching style, sticking with more of a stamp look, you know, like more of like a, uh, you know, Charles Schultz sort of, you know, comic vibe like that, that broad will get you a really cartoony, clean kind of classic look. And I like to do that from time to time as well. But I only doodle uh, and mostly in black. If you're looking to do watercolors or washes or stuff like that, that's way out of my zone. I don't really have enough uh, experience to recommend anything there. But the Diatramentis document series is definitely the where to look on our site if you did want to get something that's going to hold up to ink washes and watercolors, uh, stuff like that. And finally, glass pens. Super fun to draw with, super fun to test out different inks if you are going to try to put different ink through its paces, whether it be different paper types, uh, how it reacts to you know saturation on paper, or how it reacts to water. Dipping a glass pen, using it, and then cleaning it is so easy. You know, I don't know if you're going to want to write with it for long periods of time. Sometimes they're a little scratchy and you do have to re-dip them. But for testing and just playing around with, you can't pick anything better. They clean out so well. It's just a little bit of, you know, water or pen flush, quick rub with a paper towel. You're good to go on the next one. They're fantastic and a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add because <clears throat> as much as Drew says that he doesn't draw a lot, he just kind of doodles. I do even less. So most of my experiences through what I hear from others. Um, so the only thing I really have to add to this is kind of on the ink washing front. Um, if you remember a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about um, the UV resistance and light fastness of different inks. And I mentioned a very old blog post, almost 10 year old blog post that we did in collaboration with Jamie Grossman from Hudson Valley Sketches. Um, so kind of a cool i'll get back to this question here but just kind of a cool update related to that um jamie actually reached out to us after watching the pencast and was like hey you know thanks for the shout out i would actually be willing to test 
the newer inks that you have now if you wanted to send me some. And I was like, well, pff, yeah, of course, that would be awesome. So we can get more of a complete list. So we've sent some inks to Jamie. Jamie's swabbed them up and is running the tests right now, likes to leave them in the sun for about six months or so. So we won't really have any results until probably June, uh, but it's underway and that's pretty cool. So we'll have a lot of the Atramentis documents and some other various, uh, you know, ink things that have come out since uh you know 2012 or whenever we did it last so uh that thought that was kind of neat um that's really awesome yeah isn't that cool uh, i'm excited about that very excited too uh but you know if you if you are into like the ink washing side of things and that kind of drawing um jamie's blog post is really great there has some cool artwork that she's done as well as um some good information about different ink tests so i think those are just probably the best thing to do i can do is just point you there um but she sent me a really cool um uh, picture of one of the diamine ink vent colors um, says really honestly like asked me specifically like did diamine make these to be really good for ink washing because said like the chromatic nature of these ink vent colors is phenomenal and I was like I don't know that that's specifically what they were going for might be kind of a happy consequence but um, thought that was interesting feedback to pass along not that they're really available anymore but you know, they may bring some of them back like they did with the previous um, Inkvent, uh, you know, calendar colors. They brought some of them back. So uh, if they happen to do that, it might be interesting for us to keep an eye on that. Um, but uh, in specifically, she sent me a picture of Tempest, which she said is like the stunner. Uh, that was the, I mean, spoiler alert, not that you can really get one or spoil it for yourself now, but um, the number four, uh, which would have been, you know, obviously week or week and a half ago if you've been actually doing the advent calendar thing um with this ink set but uh number four tempest apparently was pretty awesome looking so we'll throw some pictures up in the uh in the whatever video here if you want to take a look at it but pretty pretty wild looking so very just very cool to see what people do with some of these things that are just i never would have dreamed of people using these inks for these types of artwork but it's pretty amazing all right that's all we got to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. So you want to take it off, Drew? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Next one? Yeah, um, you're good. The next question comes to us from Crobledo.slp, and this person simply says improving handwriting. So they wish us to speak about improving handwriting, I guess, how to do it. Okay. How would you go about that, Brian? Oh, good question. This, mm. is, this is like one of those things that... You know, if I've ever, um, especially because people know that I'm in like the fountain pen business. So people are so just like, I don't know, apologetic. They feel the need to like apologize for how their handwriting looks. And I'm like, I really don't care. Like, it's fine. Yeah, we did a, uh, well, that was one <laughs> thing whole... that you mentioned early in the pen cast. And uh, yeah. we actually sli sliced that out. So there is a video. I'll link that uh, here where Brian uh, yeah. um, voices his uh, rather strong opinions on uh, people apologizing for their handwriting. Yeah, it's like people judge themselves so harshly on their handwriting. And it's like, it's really okay. Like, it's really okay. Um, I think that like starting from a place of, just honesty with yourself about like, okay, I want to improve my handwriting, but if it's just because you feel like it's not good enough or whatever, I can tell you right now, trying to chase good enough, you'll never get there because perfection is impossible. I think first approaching it with a mentality of, okay, this is my handwriting. This is what it is. No one's, I mean, some people maybe naturally have, you know, a different starting point in their handwriting, but like no one comes, you know, out of the womb with perfect handwriting. Like it comes down to practice maybe some natural ability but just instruction 
diligence, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think that everybody has the ability to have some pretty nice handwriting if they so choose. Um, it's kind of like uh, exercising versus bodybuilding, isn't it? Like yeah, you can like yeah. accept your body, love who you are, but yeah, some not, people yeah. some people want to get totally jacked, and that's that's fine too. So <laughs> and look, that's and that's cool, you know. And so, or some people want to be like Olympic level athlete, and you know what? Some people just naturally have the ability to get there. Other people never can, no matter how hard they work, but they can still be a really great athlete and enjoy the heck out of themselves. So I think that's just like understanding like kind of what your goal is. You want to just get what you feel is a, a good handwriting. Do you want to be able to like do calligraphy and actually like even have it as a potential source of income? Like that's another goal that's maybe different. So I think just kind of starting there. Um, but we have a video that was five tips to improve your handwriting that kind of touches on some of this a little bit. So we can link to that as well. Um, actual tools that we sell. I mean, obviously we have pens and stuff, but um, we do have a book called um, The Art of Cursive Penmanship by Michael Saul. Honestly, for for my money, it is the best resource for improving your handwriting because it goes so deep into the history of handwriting and posture and handwriting, um, you know, outlines for drilling different letters and all kinds of things. It's basically everything you need if you want to have really good, like Western style handwriting. And um, it's argue it's written by arguably the most qualified person to write something like that. Absolutely. I mean, Michael Saul is a master penman. He has trained. Uh, I think two different White House uh, calligraphers, um, which is pretty prestigious, um, trained a number. I mean, ran a ran a calligraphy school for decades. So has trained so many different people with calligraphy and all that kind of stuff. Basically brought Spencerian back from the dead when it was not really a thing anymore in the 70s. And he basically helped bridge the gap between um, that time period where fountain pens in general and just handwriting was being really replaced pretty drastically by, you know, print and, you know, typewriters, computers, all that kind of stuff. So this is like mid 70s. So he was able to catch up with some of the old, um, you know, calligraphers and, and handwriting instructors, um, people who like their name is what the handwriting style is, uh, like Zaner Bloser and stuff like that. Um, Palmer and Spencerian thing about these are all people that develop these, these, um, handwriting styles. So he was able to actually get instruction from that old guard and then really carry it forth. So you get a lot of credit to him and he's passing on to so many people, teaches at pen shows, all that kind of stuff. So really great dude. And he's just like one of the like purest sweetest individuals he always wears a bow tie and a vest when he does this stuff just just a circle glasses absolutely trains all over the world too he'll fly all over the place goes to the philippines and just everywhere um anywhere where people love handwriting he he's willing to teach it anyway i'm gushing but um great dude happy to have his his book um and um great great tool for handwriting instruction um but just some like general tips that i can give you um, comfort, like finding a comfortable position is something most people don't think about that literally just getting into a better position can almost instantly improve your handwriting. Because if you are holding the pen and you're all cramped up and you're writing like on the couch with your knees curled up and the book is vertical and you're in this weird position, you're not going to have great handwriting. Like it's just your, your muscles are not in a place to be relaxed and be able to write for any decent amount of time. So just getting yourself in a comfortable place. You want to have, you know, be sitting at a table, have good posture. You want to have your elbows at around a 90 degree angle so that you aren't, you know, 
know, pivoting off your elbow. You wanna basically have free movement of your whole arm. And then you're resting your wrist down. And as you're writing, your arm is free to move. That's gonna use more of your larger muscles, which is gonna keep your smaller muscles in your hand from getting really tired. That's actually where most people are not able to actually improve their handwriting is because, you know, without, without using the right muscles, you're using your really, really small muscles in your hands, which get really tired. You know, you can get fine control, but you don't have endurance. So you're not able to actually practice long enough to be able to build up any kind of muscle memory if you're writing really scrunched with your hands and using all your hand muscles. You gotta use a combination of like your hand, your elbow, and your shoulder. And having that kind of free, open, more relaxed posture will allow you to write longer for a more comfortable period of time to where you can actually build the muscle memory to then have better handwriting. So yes, you can do drills and you can talk about specific lettering technique and stuff like that. But I think it's honestly even more important to start with the basics and just understand when you're doing a drill. Just like if you wanna become a better runner, you know, your running posture is gonna matter a big deal you know, than it is what type of shoe you have or whatever. It's like you gotta understand kind of the principles of it. Um, I think finding a pen and a paper, ink or whatever that you like, just something that you're looking forward to using, you're much more likely to actually just sit down and write than if you are just not that excited about what it is that you're getting into. So, um, you know, having a place that you enjoy writing, that's quiet, that you can just put on some music or maybe watch some, you know, old office episodes on YouTube, you know, on, on, um, <laughs> Netflix or something. Um, you know, just, you can, I don't think the office is on Netflix. Are they, I think they're on, no, Hulu. they're on Peacock now. Peacock. And, who, and who, unless, who, unless you something. hack it and like get the UK version of the uh, Netflix. Yeah, I've, I've heard, yeah. I've heard that you can change the country code or whatever, but yeah, we don't you, endorse yeah, that. If you have a VPN, I think you can do that with certain ones. But anyway, um, we're not teaching you how to hack your Netflix accounts. We're just talking about pens. Um, so anyway, just set up an environment that you enjoy and products that you're excited about using. And you're more likely, I mean, it's the same thing as like, you know, when I was cycling a lot, like I had a nice bike and I had clothes that fit comfortably and it just, it made me want to ride more. So it was less of a barrier. Um, I also think it's cool to give yourself a project. So whether it's like transcribing something that's meaningful to you, um, writing letters to others, you know, especially around the holidays, if you want to handwrite, you know, that type of stuff, it can be, you can have like a goal, which can, can make it not seem like I'm just sitting down and writing a cursive lowercase F for 30 minutes, you know, that can feel a little grueling, but if you have like some goals or, or things that you can set for yourself, um, that could be kind of cool, like daily journaling or just something to get excited about. Um, just have fun with it. Don't be hard on yourself. And just keep in mind that practice makes progress. That the more you write, no matter what situation, the better you're going to get at it because a lot of it's just muscle memory. Um, and the, the more like routine and diligent you are about it, that's where your consistency can really come in. And honestly, most of, most of good looking handwriting has to do with how consistent it looks. There's all kinds of principles of like the letter shape and the slant and all this type of stuff. That's what Michael Soul's book gets into. Um, but really what, what is most commonly associated with bad handwriting is having really inconsistent looking letters and inconsistent looking spacing. So even if your style is not the traditional script that you may associate as being nice handwriting, if it looks consistent and has even spacing and is readable, that's going to most likely be considered good handwriting by your average person. So important things to keep in mind. Drew, you're making some faces over there as I'm talking mine about is, consistency. Mine is... You will never see two L's the same height with my mm. handwriting. It's just, it's, yep. no, it looks like randomly generated characters. Like someone did like a cursive version of a ransom note. 
<laughs> it's terrible. There you go. Um, the very much the same way, but I've never like really sat down and tried to make that any better. So it it's definitely gotten better sense. as I've been writing more for sure. Yeah. Um, over, over the last decade, like it's definitely improved, but the consistency is definitely mm-hmm. not there. It's yeah. a little wild. It could get there over time. You know, it's, it's like anything else. If you set a goal to do it, you're going to see marked improvement. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not stopping anytime soon. Good stuff. All right. So hopefully that helps you all out. All right. Next question we have is from Imagiki. It's not really a question. It's more of just three words. It says best shading inks. I think we could pro- probably deduce what this person is looking for. What yeah, are the best inf- shading inks maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll give my few and then uh, turn it over to Brian, who kind of has some old and some new thoughts on this one. Um, this was uh, this is probably going to be repeated by Brian, but Noodler's Golden Brown. I've been writing with that a lot in 2021. Um, and uh, that has been, like Brian mentioned in an earlier question, giving myself a project to do more writing. I've been trying to transcribe recipes into a cookbook, and Noodler's Golden Brown has been one of my go-to inks for that beautiful, beautiful shading, especially with a big nib. Been loving that one. And then, obviously, you know, in addition to a lot of Sailor's inks, I have to mention Sailor 120, 123 and 224. These have been more favorites of 2021 for me. We have uh, colloquially known as Rain Fluff and Thunder Fluff. And by that, I mean that's what I call them. Uh, but I use them a lot, and I love them. They have tremendously delightful shading, very light, um, but still look really great. Again, bigger nibs are better. That's kind of the, the case with anything shading. If you really want to see some shading, put down more ink um, because, you you know, you'll have more pooling that way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a surprise addition to, you know, again, this is another one I've discovered this year. When Private Reserve came back, I wrote with Private Reserve Blue Suede. And um, with a glass pen specifically, I remember that one had really impressive shading. So impressive that I went and actually inked up a pen with and started using that. I've been really happy with PR Blue Suede. And all of these are actually kind of new additions. So these are probably not my all-time favorite shaders, but more or less my 2021 shaders. And then Robert Auster, Violet Dreams, and Robert Auster, Summer Storm. I have a really hard time choosing between these two. But I kind of just stumbled upon them this year, and I was blown away at how gorgeous they look. I think that once I started writing with some of these uh, sailor shaders, I kind of fell in love with this gray-purple color. And I've been writing with this shade in a number of different brands. And these two from Robert Auster are, again, just beautiful shaders. This sort of shade really does shade well. And um, again, uh, wider nibs are great. Specifically, if you want something that shades, I think just about any light blue with a broad nib is going to shade pretty well for mm-hmm. you. Like There are a lot of different inks in that color category that provide tremendously beautiful shading. Yeah. I would say a lot of turquoises, too, tend to kind of yeah. fall. I guess that would be kind of a light blue. Yeah, some 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 inks call themselves turquoise, but they're really kind of a light blue. Mm. Um, and then some turquoises consider themselves a little bit more tealy, so it yeah. really depends. Turquoise is one of those inks that like no one can really agree on yeah. what the color is. Yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of official answer, but yeah. in, as far as inks go, they're pretty all over the place. Yeah, true, true. Um, you know, another fun little thing, I mean, kind of the principle Drew was talking about there is that um, you tend to get the most shading when you have inks that are less saturated with dye because then you think about it, okay, if you have a really, really deeply saturated dark ink, 
it can only be but so light because even if you put a tiny little bit of ink down there's so much dye in it already you can only go from like dark to darker to, to, to some degree but if you're starting with a really light colored ink then when you really let it pool up especially if you have like drew said a really wet writing pen or a flex pen or something like that or if you're writing and then you're crossing back over top if you're writing in cursive especially you're crossing back over top a line that you've already written, then the ink is basically like kind of doubling. And so you'll get, you know, darker colors where the ink like crosses over the lines you've already written. It's gonna look much more dramatic if you have a very light colored ink. So it is kind of interesting because there's some people that tend to want like really dark, deep, bold colors. But then when you're dealing with shading, you almost want the opposite of those properties. Um, but kind of a neat little thing you can try in small quantities with whatever ink that you already have is you can try diluting it down a little bit. Um, just use some distilled water and uh, you know go down like 10% water, 25% water, maybe even 50% and just see what happens and see if you like the shading effects that you get could impact the flow a little bit and maybe it's not to your liking but it's something that you can experiment with really pretty inexpensively just with inks you already have on hand and you might be able to take an ink that you already like and turn it into an amazing shader obviously keeping in mind if you are heavily diluting an ink it's going to lighten up the color quite a bit so it's not like you're going to just improve the shading but you know still keep the same bold color so you know you get to play around with it it's a, one of the kind of more fun and interesting aspects of playing around with ink um, is when you start diluting it it can be a very cheap way and very fast way to really change the properties of the ink and, and give you some some more diversity there. Um, so we had done a video on this of the the best shading inks, which is one of my more famous intros there with my trench coat that was too short when I was wearing cargo shorts, I believe, and um, looks like I'm a flasher. Um, but uh, it, it can it cannot <laughs> be confirmed at this point whether or not Brian was wearing any pants. He says he was wearing cargo pants. I mean, We're just gonna you, you can choose it, to if I'm saying it, isn't that confirmed? Like <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> admitting to wearing cargo pants. Yeah. Brian wears pants at all times when he's in the office. That I that I will we, we assure might, you. <laughs> we might need to uh, we might need to do a sequel to that video, Brian. I don't know if we still have that coat though. That'd be pretty funny if we did. Oh, that's fine. No, I'm thinking more or less like, you know, suspenders, white cuffed up t-shirt with your feet up on your desk with some gum stuck to the bottom of your shoe. Mm, okay. I gotcha. Looking that, for some same, shady ink. That same like film noir style that yeah. we were going for. Okay. Okay. We actually probably could refresh that. And then that I can video. walk in, lay on your desk. Won't, won't be awkward at all. Oh gosh. Oh, that's weird. Oh, I don't want to think about that at all. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I can think of you as more of like the, the, like, uh, I'm failing to think of the words, but like I'd be the, the bartender that doesn't serve alcohol. You know, I've got the cuffed up sleeves. I'm just wiping out a glass and you're like, give me some of the hard stuff. I'm like, I have some Ovaltine buddy. Yeah, no, I was thinking your vibe is more of like, like the downtrodden, like kind of guy who's like got his hat in his hands and he's kind of like, you know, all like tor clothes are all torn up, you know, kind of. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm picturing exactly, but I don't know whatever. either. But I'm, but it's you clear that, that you, would, you can pull out that bartender it, look. That would that would well, that would yeah. Work for you. Clearly, I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely the, the the resident alcohol aficionado. Yeah, somebody would be like, make me an old fashioned. You'd be like, you're an old fashioned. So dad, dad so joke. milk then? Yeah, right. <laughs> be like, 
So if you, if you were to make an old fashioned, how would you do it exactly? Yeah, so <laughs> by that, I mean I know, but I'm just wondering. I totally, wondering if you know. I totally know. Just mine might be different than yours, and so I'd just like yeah. to know how you, you want it exactly. So just go like, ahead and tell me. It's like chowder, you know. Who knows what kind you want? <laughs> Manhattan, New England. I don't know. Oh my god. Anyway. Um, yeah, your old video. Yeah, my old video. <laughs> so uh, definitely had some that on there that I think all of them still hold up really well. I stand by all of them. Uh, that list is Noodler's Apache Sunset, Noodler's Black Swan and Australian Roses, Diamine Marine, one of my all-time faves, uh, Noodler's Navajo Turquoise, which is like one of those classic blue turquoises. That's probably like the best shader. Like It's, it's so, so good. good. It's so good. Uh, Noodler's Golden Brown. Uh, Diatramentus Mint Turquoise, which that one is much more of like a teal kind of a turquoise, which is why it's different and also on the list along with Navajo Turquoise. And then uh, Noodler's Lexington Gray, which is a great gray shading color. Um, and then um, I added some honorable mentions to the list. Uh, Robert Oster Blue Water Ice, which I love. That falls into that lighter blue kind of pretty much gonna shade well uh, category, but it's a particularly strong shader. And then um, you already mentioned some Sailor Ink Studio. There are so many Ink Studio yeah. colors that are great shaders. I think it's worth an honorable mention pretty much for the whole category because yeah, they all tend really, to be in that group. One of the great things about the Ink Studio line, also the Shikiori line, Shiki, there are some Shikiori inks that uh, shade pretty well too, but overall there are a lot of shaders, like Brian said, in the Sailor Ink Studio line and some unconventional colors like some mustardy browns that have really good shading, some colors that you don't think would be ones that are traditionally beautiful colors um like some earthy colors but really when you get them on paper and they do get to perform they can be really really stunning so i would encourage you to pick up a couple ink samples of some colors that you think you might be uh able to see some shading on and give them a shot they might surprise you very cool all right next question comes to us from uh Wu, and this uh, abbreviation i believe is in your opinion iyo um, in your opinion, why are there more digital natives interested in analog artifacts like fountain pens? So this is what we alluded to earlier. So this is a bit of a brainer, Brian, the opposite of a no brainer. This is a brainer. And I put some yeah. brain behind it into it. There are some words you have typed in here. Yes, I did type some words. Not quite a deep dive, but it could get there. Um, so I don't know necessarily what the more is that's being compared to here? Are there more digital natives interested? More than what? Like more than before digital natives existed? Maybe or? maybe what they mean is an increasing number of. Of digital natives. But I mean, like digital, more and more. But digital natives is like a newer thing. So I don't well, know. Well, maybe they're saying, why are newer people interested in them? Okay. I think like, I get, why, I think why, I get why, the why principle. Is, why, are, yeah. why are people that are growing up with digital things getting into analog things i think is the nature yeah. of the question okay that, good that's how i interpreted it yeah um so i think it like it just strikes to something that's very fundamental in human nature which is that people are tactile you know we have i mean there's a reason why we have fingerprints and why our fingertips have a higher concentration of nerves than other parts of our body you know um not exclusively we're not going to get down to that rabbit hole but you know basically the reason why you don't feel as much on your upper arms as you can with your fingertips is because we use our fingertips for touching and sensing and doing a lot of work. And so 
like we're just we're made to work with our hands to a certain degree so i think if you're dealing with virtual things all the time you have like biological parts of you that are being underutilized <laughs> based on how we've been doing things for a very, 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 very long time in human history. So I think there's just like a biology behind using our hands for things that we find just very gratifying and very rewarding. So I know I personally am that way. And like, especially as we've been more virtual with this COVID life and kind of remote hybrid, whatever scenario we find ourselves in, I'm like, in zoom meetings and stuff like that shooting videos like this all the time i'm like as when my workday wraps up i'm like i want to go in the woods and get my hands dirty and cut some logs and wreck my body and just you know because i've just been sitting on a chair or a sofa all day looking at a screen and i'm like i gotta like make up for all that so i personally have felt that a little bit as this digital native kind of quasi world that drew and i find ourselves in as millennials here um i think aside from really just the basic nature of that like physical touch kind of thing that we find appealing i think there's some very fountain spend pen specific things that i think are also pretty cool um that you know are that draw us to it um i think it has to do with maybe some of the learning curve associated with fountain pens um, makes it so that it's not something that everybody gets into. You got to kind of like be drawn to it, have enough a desire to do it and all that, which is creates a little bit of a barrier to entry to the whole community. And I think that in the just like completely just over abundance of interconnectedness and bombardments of marketing and stuff that we're all being pummeled with every day, it's kind of nice to have some sort of like natural barrier to entry into some of our hobbies because it keeps the more casual and you know overly opinionated folks out not completely but maybe more so than your more casual you know topics uh so all that to say if you're into fountain pens there's probably a good reason and you kind of really want to be there so it creates you know an environment where people care a lot more they're very invested and it's very rewarding to be there and there's a good sense of community so i think that uh, that's not specifically inherent to like a tactile you know thing and there's probably a lot of other places outside the fountain pen world where that is also happening but I think that just the given the nature of the fountain pens, how they're a little more complex and there's a bit of a learning curve, um, probably naturally creates a little more rewarding community uh, around that that can then, you know, be beneficial just outside of that um, that tactile feel. Um, some other things, I think there is just some interesting technology within fountain pens, not only like current technology, but historical technology, if that makes sense. You know, so there are patents going back 150 years basically that deal with fountain pen you know feed systems and filling mechanisms and materials and all that so you know if you're really into current technology you know it can be really fun and interesting to then go back and look at retro technology as drew has talked about his collecting vhs tapes and his interest in a talk boy and all this type of stuff like there's something cool even though it's old it was new technology it's like historical newness if you want to call it that like there's a lot of that in the fountain pen world too um which i think is really kind of neat and interesting to explore so you you end up blending this very interesting space between history and culture and technology 
I don't know. It's just pretty fascinating. And I'm, I see this happening in other places outside of fountain pens too. Um, you know, we are obviously active on YouTube because we post a lot of videos. Well, MKBHD is one of the, you know, top like cinematic kind of YouTubers reviews a lot of technology products. Well, he's got like a whole series of videos he's done that are all retro technology. So he's going back and doing old computers and, you know, the original Nintendo and like all that kind of stuff, but doing like new current super up-to-date like reviews of this really old technology and it's just really fascinating to blend the history with the technology you get some of that excitement but you also know how it pans out you know of going back reviewing like the original iphone and like all this kind of stuff very very fascinating so i think fountain pens can kind of fall into that territory because they were the you know the communication tool of their day um and then i think like especially if you're into chemistry and physics and science there's so much of that in the fountain pen technology ink uh, paper just the relationship with all those the manufacturing side of things there's a lot of that that gets into it too and you can really nerd out about that you know to the degree where we literally get scientists who order hundreds of ink samples at a time because they want to do chromatography tests and all this kind of stuff and it's like oh that's a whole other level of interest of things to get into with fountain pen stuff um, and then another really cool aspect of it is that these are actual tools that you're using. So it's like, okay, yeah, if you're into, you know, movies, like collecting movies, that's cool. You watch them, they sit on a shelf, you have a collection, but you're not like using the VHS tape to like manufacture something, you know, right. you're, you're like absorbing what it is and appreciating it for the art, but you're not actually necessarily creating anything with it. Well, fountain pens, you are, whatever you're doing, pretty much you're creating things. You're either writing words doing drawings, doing, you know, some of that, you're expressing yourself of some kind, you know, so it's almost more like an instrument in that respect. So I think that there's some really cool stuff that you can do that just gets to another level beyond just like, I have this object, I bought it, I'm into it. You're actually creating, expressing yourself, you're learning more about yourself as you're expressing your words. You get into lots of different layers with all that kind of stuff. So again, I'm obviously like so bought and sold on the concept of fountain pens. I could go on and on about this all day and I won't, but I think it's just really cool. There's so many different things that can be appealing, all of them with like layers and depth and intricacies that you can get nuances that you can get more and more into that. I think that's got enough of a universal appeal to them that anyone can be interested in fountain pens. Not everyone will be, but there's kind of like something for everybody there. If you're kind of willing to go through it and you have that kind of inclination towards your, your personality, I think you're going to find something really fascinating to latch onto and then find rewarding and then find other people that are also into it. And it's just a really, really kind of a cool feedback loop you get into um, that I think you can appreciate given the, I don't know, you go in most other places online and people just have like very quick opinions. They don't really know what they're talking about and they're just free to shoot you down just because whatever, they're having a bad day. There's some of that in the fountain pen world, but honestly, not very much. Most of it is kind of the opposite of that. People are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really care about all that other stuff, but like, let's nerd out about the thing that we're really into. And I don't really care if you like are from a different place or you have different perspectives, you know, that's fine. Okay, whatever. But like, we all love pens and that's just really, really very cool. And I think there's not a lot of that happening for digital natives. So when you find something like that, you're like, wow, this is special. I really like that I can be myself and be into the same stuff that other people who are different than me are also into it. Kind of a nice little, nice little side 
side note to the fountain pen hobby that doesn't have anything to do actually with the pen specifically, but I don't know, that's been my, that's been my experience and some I found rewarding. Whew, so there you go. I don't know if that was, that was a, I don't know if that was a deep dive, but it was close. It was a mid midway dive. <laughs> that was beautifully said, Brian. I, I could, you know, add to that, but it would really just be repeating <laughs> what you said in different ways. That that really hit the nail on the head. I liked a lot of what you just said, and um, especially the bit about the community aspect, about oh, yeah. it, how they're similar to instruments, meaning you can actually do stuff with them, you can collect them yeah. and use them. I love that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, let me let, let's just you know again appreciate the members of the community. It is something special. Sure. You could you could go and look at the YouTube comment section about the new Spider-Man trailer and see some of the most horrible, hateful things in the world. But you you're going to go in the comment section of this video and see some of the classiest, nicest, kindest people in all of YouTubedom, and we are so incredibly fortunate and gra- grateful to you know absolutely be a part of the community with you. And thank you yeah. for joining us every week. Absolutely, and Drew and I can be a testament to that. Like we both have been doing this for over a decade like full time immersed in this whole situation and we are still finding new and exciting things to get into we're still finding complete large pockets of this community this world whatever that we know nothing about and it's like oh my gosh there's so much there like i haven't even scratched the surface on that yet give me another couple of decades and maybe i can hold my own in that conversation you know there's just so much to get into it's it's literally just like a lifetime of rewarding kind of stuff you can get into if you find that you really like this stuff so it's pretty neat we like that you like it thank you absolutely all right all right Hypothetical time. Drew. Yeah, that covers the Q and A. We've got yeah. a we've got a seasonal hypothetical today, and um, we haven't really discussed this, but we this isn't going to be a surprise for either of us. But Brian and I are going to try to discuss and decide who is the ultimate Christmas movie dad, in mm. our opinion. And we've got a list that uh, I believe we're going to stick to. Um, we could throw some multiples in here, but uh, we're going to go with the old man from a Christmas story. Clark Griswold from Christmas Vacation, Howard Langston, Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way, from Jingle All the Way, <laughs> Scott Calvin from The Santa Claus, a.k.a. Santa Claus, uh, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, and John McClane from Die Hard. Uh, Brian, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Oh, the great debate, huh? Of course it's a Christmas mm. movie. Is, is, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Home Alone is definitely a Christmas movie because there are Christmas songs like throughout the movie. There is a heavy, they talk about, you know, getting home for Christmas and traveling for Christmas and, okay. you know, the whole house is decorated for Christmas. Die Hard takes I think, place. I think Di- it's an office Christmas party. He's wearing Christmas clothes. He's They're not like, wearing Christmas clothes. He's wearing a, 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 a tank top and he's got jeans. the hat, right? Doesn't he have the hat? I'm actually not that well versed in Die Hard. I've no, seen it I mean, once, but I think I think there's enough in Die Hard to classify it as a Christmas movie because there is it does have like one it or two Christmas songs in there, but it's not okay. about Christmas. Um, so who says I'll, a movie I'll, has to be about Christmas to be a Christmas movie? If it takes place at Christmas, is that not a Christmas movie? Hmm. Maybe if that's the way you're going, then yeah, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. But uh, Christmas is not like if you here here here's the thing here's the thing. All right, if you remove the whole aspect of Christmas from Home Alone and have it set place in another year, is it still does it is it still the same movie essentially? Sorry, I think um, I think in a way it is. I think that Home Alone could be the same if it wasn't at Christmas. So I would say that sure. if it can be the same. If you remove all references of Christmas, then it's not really a Christmas movie. I mean, I don't know how you make. I'll that. lose a limb. I'll lose a limb on that hill. 
All right. Fair so enough. Die, die Hard, you can completely remove the Christmas, any Christmas element from Die Hard. It will be just as good of a film, I, I, I think. Yeah, but you could... Home Alone, Home Alone a little less so, but I still think it's the, the, the core concept of fine. If you still have the same actors and it just takes place at winter, then whatever. It's the same movie. It'll be just as good. So I, I, you could make the case that neither of them are Christmas movies. Sorry, I just found this uh, really fascinating. I was just like searching like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I found this like completely nerded out like statistical analysis of it all that um okay so let's get back to the dad (laughs) thing okay so there are a lot of dads here and a lot of christmas movies have very iconic father figures in these films um so the ultimate christmas movie dad in my opinion john mcclain is not even in there because he's he, he doesn't even see his kids in the entire movie so forget him um george bailey eh, no uh scott calvin like, he literally is Santa Claus, so, you know, he's not the most attentive father at the beginning, but he takes a turn, so you got to give him some credit. I identify with every aspect of most of these dads here, especially Howard Langston, who was Schwarzenegger's character from Jingle All the Way, going absolutely to the ends of the earth to find that one special toy for his son. Like, in the movie, his son was really into it. In my life, I'm probably more into it than my son is, but I still go way farther than I need to. Um, so I, I get that. Clark Griswold, you know, the whole like high hopes of like what the Christmas, you know, holiday should be or what the family gathering should be, having this like really lofty idea in your head and then, you know, wanting so, so badly for it to deliver, but then realizing that it doesn't matter at the core. It's all about family. So, yeah, I can identify with that. I think we've all been there. And then the old man from A Christmas Story, like, just kind of being a little bit more pessimistic or pragmatic about Cur- the whole thing. Curmudgeon-y, yeah. Yeah. And I have I've, I've did recently watch Christmas Story last weekend. And so the ultimate Christmas dad, I'm going to have to go with the old man from A Christmas Story is my pick because – he i think is the funniest like when he's like making up curse words like it, they're they're curse words from the <laughs> viewpoint of the kid so when he's down there battling <laughs> his furnace yes I, I i like when i was a kid i laughed at different parts of that movie but now as an adult i find literally everything that that guy does oh. just kills me like i i yeah. he's so granted yeah sure i laugh at all of these dads but to me you you cannot have uh he's the ultimate i think that his his shenanigans in that movie are just so priceless to me and he he runs the whole thing he has the lofty ideals he has you know the dad moments that we can all identify with and uh yeah he's gonna be my pick i'm gonna go with the old man what about you you know i'm really terrible at these like pick the whatever one thing that the, I'm, but I'm not up. putting any no guidelines brian yeah, you just yeah, pick yeah. that's fine i mean literally i just i had to like google like who are the Christmas dads? Like, I could not remember. You've I'm seen not, these movies, though, right? I have seen all of these movies at some point, but not any of them enough to even recall the major plot line of most of them. Really? I you just, need to get on your game, man. I, I'm not a big... What about this year? Have you watched any holiday movies this year? No, not a one. Not Dude. In, not in several years, probably. Um, Several I'm, years? I may have like passively watched. I feel like I don't even Charlie know you Brown, right now, Brian. Charlie Brown Christmas at Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure we pulled that out. Um, but that was like, I wouldn't have even made this hypothetical if I knew this about you. It's okay. My I'm goodness, just, I'm not a big movie guy anyway. It's just like to sit there and commit to hours of watching a thing. This is not really something I do much, um, which is fine. 
Like it's totally cool. Um, I don't know. For me, I think probably it just falls into the, the George Bailey wonderful life. Like I've been literally called like your 1950s dad before. So I've got a little bit of that vibe. I mean, it's a much older movie than most of these other ones. So it's got a whole different vibe than these other ones. It's much more of that like idealized kind of feel goody type Christmassy thing, that very charitable kind of thing. Um, so I don't know that to me, I think probably falls more into like, I don't know would I rather be like the really kind, patient and generous dad or like the fumbly doofus, selfish, yet loud mouth <laughs> dad, like this is like this is like kind of a thing that like okay it is funny but like so much of modern satire of father oh. figures makes fun of dads and talks That's about true. how just how little they care about their kids and how much they curse or how stupid they are and how they just fumble around they're overconfident they make none mistakes. of them know how to change a diaper none of them can really do anything well yeah. you know like your homer simpsons and your peter griffin from family guy and all that and it's yeah. it's funny but you know it's like it's also like okay i understand we're not watching a like funny movie or cartoon to watch like a straight-laced representation of you know things but it's like okay it's like right. really been done so much i'm like okay okay like it's not helping not helping maybe some stereotypes and stuff like that but anyway didn't mean to get too deep on that one but i don't know to me yeah, like, you, you know you know you know what the they Christmas needed dad falls into me like more of the george bailey type so that that would be it All for right. me but i would i would not like go to bat with any argument with anybody about like no i'm right you're wrong it's like whatever that's just right. what i think of can, can can you commit to watching one of these this year please for me brian um just no. just one just one just God, being honest on. but you know maybe i'll watch <laughs> die hard with my kids how about that no not die hard that's the that's the one that's the one that i added to the list by the way oh not my god all right no 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 real quick though so this random article i found it's just it's got so much analysis it's just crazy but i just got to read you the final result so this is like Stephen follows film data and education it's this whole thing i don't know i've never i just googled it and read it as we were talking but he sums it up nicely he says so is die hard a christmas movie the neatest summary i can provide is it may or may not have been but it most certainly is now it says although this studio did not intend it to be created as a christmas movie some of the film's key creators did either way it's certainly fair to say that die hard is regarded as a christmas movie in popular culture so sure. it wasn't created as a christmas movie but it's been i think adopted as a christmas movie probably because I it's like one of the like that, that's fair cooler movies that you would actually like want to sit down and probably watch yeah without that's fair yeah anyway that's fair i don't really care either all way, right <laughs> Fun, fun hypothetical, though. Thanks for making us change gears a little bit. That was kind of cool. Oh, sure. All right. Uh, tip of the week. Drew, I think you've got the tip of the week this week, and it's a good one. I do. The tip of the week this week is one that we have a previous video on, so I'll link that here in a second. But if you've ever owned a Lamy pen, a Safari, a Joy, a All-Star like this one, a Studio, pretty much anything but the 2000, they all have the same feeds and the same nibs. And if you've ever gone and tried to remove the nib you may have been unlucky enough to accidentally have removed the nib and the feed. So that can be problematic if you do it the wrong way or if you try to reinstall it the wrong way. So the nib comes out fairly easily. These just slide out. They're on little rails and have notches, and, you know, they slide right in. But if you accidentally take the feed and pop that out, this one is one of my oldest ones, so it pops out really easily. Um, 
a lot of the times this happens you're like, oh no, well, let me just shove it back in. If you just shove it back in without paying attention to how the feed is oriented before you shove it back in, you can get it in. It'll be a little bit tough, but it'll go in. And then, yeah, like Brian said, it, it won't come back out. <laughs> well, you probably you get, get it in. You probably get it like it's half, gonna you stay get like halfway in. <laughs> yeah, you can get it almost way, and then you're like, oh no, well I should pull this out and put it in a different way. Yeah, it's too late. Good luck with that. It's too late. Uh, honestly, it's in there so tight. Sometimes you have to use pliers to get it out, and then you have like a ninety percent chance of ruining the nib, so that uh, ruining the feed, so it won't work anymore. And Lamy does not yeah. sell these separately, so you cannot get another feed. So. If this happens, here's what you do. You've got your feed, you've got your pen or your grip section. At the bottom of the feed, there is a lowered section that is, you know, a little bit lower. Um, it's kind of like, it's the whole thing is keyed, essentially. So there's a slot cut out of the interior of the grip section, and there's a rail along the bottom of the feed. So really, the smartest thing to do, uh, you can look and try to find it. Uh, find it in here especially with the all-stars they're clear so you can kind of see where that rail is with the safaris it's a little tougher anything opaque and you can line it up really the easiest thing to do is not even look and you just place it very gently right in the opening of the um, grip section and just rotate it until you feel it kind of just slide in on its own see right there like look at that it once it's in it goes in very loosely without hardly any effort at all. If you really have to push hard, it's not right. Okay, so it's kind of like um, you know those old old school movies where they kind of like are trying to crack a safe and they're rotating it and they kind of feel or hear a click. You're kind of just going to rotate it until you feel it pop right into that rail. Again, you can look and find the rail. So if you're a little hesitant, look and see. You can do that as well. But once it's in there, you just rotate it until it fits in and then it snaps like right around here you'll meet some resistance and then it just pops right in after that so again click it in and then one final pop so we do have a video on that i'll link it here but if that happens pause don't put it in immediately pay attention to how it's rotated carefully put it in once you have that lack of resistance feeling well said. Tip of the week. Well said. All right. Moving along to nonsense things again. Yay! Uh, let's talk about what's happening in our lives, Drew. Well, Friday, which is today, if you're watching this pencast on uh, the Friday that it publishes, I'm going to be getting my COVID booster shot. So uh, can't say I'm super excited about that considering how it affected me last time when I got my second uh, vaccine because I was laid up pretty bad. So um, normally I'm like, whatever, I wouldn't care. But my wife and I are getting them both done at the same time. So Ooh. hopefully we're not totally like f just useless because otherwise. Rachel, Rachel and I did that. We got ours both at the same time. We got it. We got ours done on a Saturday. So it was like, okay, yeah. if it's if it's really bad, we'll just kind of be down and out and all that Uh Neither of ours was really that bad. Good. So, okay. I mean, I don't know. I've heard other people where it's been, they've been completely yeah. laid up for an entire day and felt awful. I've had other people who were like, yeah, I barely felt anything and it was fine. So, yeah. So, hopefully, in between. as long as one of us can feed the kid, I think we'll be okay. As long as I mean, you just, we just, we just got to keep him alive. Your son's old enough to feed himself. He can scavenge. He can scavenge. Eh, you know, he knows where the fridge is. Just take the, like, um, one of those automatic dog feeders and fill it with like kicks or something. You know, he'll be fine. There you go. Yeah. 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 
We do have plenty <laughs> of cereal, so he should be fine. As long as I can sit down and watch the uh, second season of The Witcher, which is going to be coming out on Netflix this weekend, mm. I will be mm. fine. So I'm super excited about that. Shannon and I are both really, really loving that series. And um, mm, okay. I've, I've read all the books multiple times, so I'm just super jazzed about this. I've been waiting like a year for uh, see, season two to come out. So would you, like, I don't know, if I was like laid up and kind of sick, I wouldn't want to watch something that I like have been really looking forward to because I feel like it's going to like taint my experience of that show maybe we just watch it again later though okay fair enough we've already we've watched the first season you know twice anyway so okay (laughs) yeah nothing's gonna stop me now i will need to work hard if i'm like really feeling bad i need to stay off my phone because i need to somehow avoid spoilers for the new spider-man movie because that's also coming out this weekend and it's probably going to be the year's biggest film um you think so i think oh yeah yeah i don't i don't know what else would be but it's going to be wacky. And yeah, I guess we are kind of, of at the end of the year, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's going to be this, mm-hmm. but it's going to have some crazy stuff happening, and no doubt spoilers will be abound on the mm-hmm. internet machines. And as we discussed um, earlier, people that are into Spider-Man are inconsiderate and selfish, <laughs> unlike, fountain, <laughs> unlike the fountain pen community. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, let's see, my wife did her final performance. Uh, she does local community theater, and she did a... Uh, um, uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, um, with some people at our local theater, and she she was Sally, and uh, I, I will say, Brian, <laughs> while while she did a great job, I was a little overly critical of the performance. Hmm. Now I watch, unlike you, I watch these Christmas movies every year without fail, so I know oh, my so Charlie like- Brown, I know my Charlie Brown Christmas. So she did the line where Sally says, "Like I, I just want what is coming to me." All I want is my fair share. And she has these like awkward pauses. And Shannon didn't do the pauses. Like, Shannon, you, you, that that's how what Sally sounds like. This isn't hard. Like, <laughs> everybody everybody knows. Like, you just need to. And she didn't do it. I was like, I, why, why, why? And then the guy that was playing Charlie Brown, um, at the very end when they're singing Hark the Herald, uh, Charlie Brown does a little foot rock thing. And I didn't tell this to Dan, so I feel bad blasting him on public now i'm sure he listens no um but i feel like i don't know i think i got a little overly critical brian i loved it but i think you're doing some it of right the dances now. some some of the kids dances were not screen accurate um they're cartoons so, drew you, I, you literally can't dance like some of those characters because you're <laughs> like your head won't like won't do that. I just, I feel like you should risk it. I feel like you know the de- the neck damage you would incur is 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 not not shouldn't be a factor if you're com- truly committed to your craft. So you're like, are you like one of those people that goes onto forums and stuff, and you're talking like this was not accurate to the original? And blah, 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 oh, you betcha! I, I brought I brought just whipped cream pies and old tomatoes mm. and you know heads of cabbage to throw onto stage. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a long, a long hook to just kind of pull them off. No, oh, honestly, yes. they were great. It was, it was a pleasure, and uh, and Archer <laughs> really liked it too. The kid, the kid loved it. So that's that great. Neat. There's some interesting facts about the original cartoon that they did on that one too. It almost didn't happen. Um, yeah, and they used real kids. Like those are all real kids' voices. That's part of why some of the speaking is so offbeat a little bit. Is because yeah, it was, yeah, it was like literally children just talking, and they don't they can take some instruction but they you know they're kids so yeah yeah there were some intentional awesome. cho- intentional choices there made when they did the original that was like 
the apparently the executives at the time were like this is never going to work like you can't read an entire like section of the bible in this monologue like on national television and you can't have actual children as the voices like that's going to sound so weird like all these different things that they did i mean it sounded a little weird but still it's charming yeah well it becomes like but then it, it came out and it was like instant hit and you know they immediately proved them all wrong and now of course it's classic so um, yeah so now i still need to watch yeah. muppet christmas carol that needs to happen oh that's a good one Chris, christmas vacation oh yeah that muppet christmas carol is my favorite yeah that's a good yeah. one i've got a couple more i need to check off the list but we're doing all right Gosh, i need to watch some of these i don't remember like oh, yeah yeah i guess i need to ah just so much so much time so much time to commit i should watch it with my kids that'd be good what do they watch? Yeah, watch watch, watch Muppets watch? Christmas Carol. That that is a treasure. That would be good. Yeah, that would be good to watch. Okay, all right. I'll mm, I'll think about it. I'll come. Oh, come on. I'll commit to thinking about it. How about that? Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, good stuff. Um, okay, so for me, um, some things I have been doing with my kids is making more two dimensional puzzles. So I learned from my previous experience of buying that crazy thousand piece Lego figure minifigure head face that every piece looks exactly the same um i was like let's do something a little easier so i bought a couple different puzzles and i found one that was at target it was like a four pack of pokemon puzzles oh boy so they're very like colorful and it has all the pokemon characters and i was like okay my kids will definitely be into this and they totally are they're like you know i'll like open one up and start doing it and they come on and they're doing it and we're doing it together and they're just like it's like at our kitchen table. So they're like stopping by making a couple pieces. They go to school, whatever. They come back, they do some more. So it's been a cool, just like kind of like thing around the house that like we've been doing together separately, whatever. It's kind of fun. Love it. Yeah, it's kind of neat. So that's been fun. Um, Brian, what's your favorite Pokemon? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I should know a lot more of them. You definitely should. I'm putting you on the spot, man. Come on. My children talk about them a lot but I'm often not really listening to what they're saying. <laughs> so it doesn't really stick. Brian! Um, come on! I'm sorry. It just, you know... Be, you need to be interested by oh proxy in everything your kids are interested in. I try, but there's so <laughs> there's so many different things. Like, they're into Pokemon and Minecraft and LOL Surprise. Ellie's into that. And they just, like, Animal Crossing, and they just, like... They just spout off like hundreds of different characters with all of their different features. And I'm like trying to keep up like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Who's what? Jumble jar? Fliggleflorp? <laughs> like what? They evolved. Oh, come on. You you know some actual names you could have put in there just now. Jumble jar and Flingledor. Well, yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean, I know. Some. Come on. <laughs> don't pretend like you don't know some names. There's a lot of them. Okay. We got Joseph like a Pokemon encyclopedia. It has over 750 characters or something like that with all their stats and all this random stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay. This, I know there were not that many when we were younger and Pokemon came out, I think there was like 150 in the original, which is still a lot. And now it's like 700 something. I'm like, come on. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit much. It's intense. And now like they're into Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario and all, like everything they're into is all these characters, all these different stats. And I'm just like, oh, all right, okay. what is, what is Joseph's favorite Pokemon? Oh, he likes Pikachu. That's his favorite. There you go. Okay, there you go. Well, at least yeah. you know that. At least you know that. Oh yeah. Ellie likes Squirtle. So. All right, I mean, well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. But there's at least lot, you know what they else. like. That's all that really matters. Right? I joke. I joke all the time about how Magikarp is the best because he's like notoriously one of the like weakest and most useless Pokemon. 
There um, you go. Yeah. That's 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 a classic dad move. Good job. Yeah. There's there's other ones. Good Pokemon dad. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> sort of. I'm not really trying that hard actually. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, one thing I am actually sort of trying on. So Drew, you know that I've ebbed and flowed in my health and weight related endeavors over the years. You've um, ebbed and flowed in just about everything over the years. I have, but the the weight gain and loss has been a roller coaster ride I've been on pretty much my entire life. Yeah. And you know, you can see that journey very clearly in our videos because I was very heavy earlier on and then I m went through a ton of effort and lost 65 pounds when I turned 30 and I've slowly been gaining it back to the point where I'm not quite back to where I was at my peak, but I'm closer than I want to be. So, But you always know you could do it. I mean, you've proven I that. I know, which is why I don't want to, because I know how much work it is and how much sacrifice it is to get there. And now oh. I'm seven years older than the last time I went on this ride. And I'm like, okay, I'm older. It's going to probably be harder this go around. So. Oh, absolutely. So I've been probably delaying it longer than I need to. Plus it's been COVID and all this other stuff. And I was like, finally, I got some blood work done at the doctor. I finally, after being your typical person who'd waits too long to go to the doctor. I've gone to a lot of other doctors for specialty things, but not like a general visit with the whole blood work and the cholesterol and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually remarkably healthy, but it's the weight stuff. So I was like, okay, fine, do something about it. So I'm just watching my sugar, trying to eat fewer carbs and that kind of stuff. Cause that's my kryptonite. So I'm going to, I'm not trying to do anything crazy. I don't have like a firm, firm goal or anything like that, but I'm like, I could actually just try even a little bit and be doing better than I'm doing now because I basically have just been eating whatever I want as a stress coping mechanism and uh, not going to quite do that quite as much these days. You so. you certainly are not alone in the world of COVID, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there are many, <laughs> many of us who have, have, have visual impacts of COVID upon them. Yes, yes, indeed. And I'm just, I'm one of those people that like, I try to lose weight and it drops really quick and then I stop trying and I gain it right back immediately. You know, just like some people it's like they can eat really terribly and it's like maybe they don't feel quite as good or maybe whatever, but they're not like, they're not fluctuating like multiple clothing sizes within a year or two that, but that's me. Like I have to keep all of my medium and large and extra large clothings in every single season of clothing wear because I can fluctuate in size that much, you know, to where I, I literally just can't even replace my wardrobe often enough with how much I might fluctuate in weight. It's, it's without even trying, I can fluctuate 20, 30 pounds in a year. Like that's how drastic it can be just based on my activity and that kind of stuff. So that's my, that's my battle. So I'm going to go back on a tightening it up a little bit kind of thing. Just trying to do less sugar. Really. I drank black coffee this morning, Drew. That was really tough. You know me, I've talked about, I drink coffee every day, but I don't actually like coffee that much. I just like the stuff that you put in coffee. Yeah, you don't drink, like, yeah, drink your coffee, coffee is. But I did it this you're... morning. I did it. And it wasn't, and? it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I did AeroPress, so that helped. You know, fr wow. fresh ground beans, AeroPress. So we're going to see. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so, half and, just, just, yeah, just, just half and half isn't isn't that bad. I actually yeah, talked to my doctor. Yeah. I actually talked to my doctor about that, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, just half and half is not not yeah, bad at all." Yeah. Like if you do half and half and no sugar, he's like, "That's fine." Yeah, I don't have like a dairy issue, so that's probably fine. It's more the sugars and stuff. So I think I just need yeah, just to do do half it. and half. You don't have to go black. Golly, man. Yeah, yeah. I'll try that. I'll try to balance it. I got to find that balance somewhere. But I don't know. I'm just like, 
I'm back in that phase of like, all right, let me tighten it up a little bit and see how I feel and see if some weight starts to come off. That'll motivate me a little bit more. Right now I'm in that phase where I'm like, I'm really heavy and I need to start changing some things, but I don't like feel any different or like, <laughs> I'm not like losing any weight yet. So it's just like, it's just the worst of everything right now. But that's how it is when you start out. Well, I'll tell you what, I have a program. I don't know if you're interested in hearing about it. Ooh, okay. Boy, what is this? Okay. All right, well, is this the you and me, you and me, <laughs> end of the year, big, big, big extravaganza. Mm. We do a 24-hour uh, pen cast, and you wear all of your holiday sweaters at the same time. Ooh, I probably dropped 10 pounds right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be like a, a, what is it, like in, in uh, wrestling where you like, or like MMA or whatever, you wear like a a sauna suit. Yeah, they, oh like, yeah, they have sauna suits. <laughs> you like oh, go, yeah. go running with weights on and everything. Like, you're oh just yeah, like sweating it all out. <laughs> I could do that and probably drop some weight pretty <laughs> quick. You try to cuff up like five layers of sweater. Ah, oh, yeah. I need to like expose a, my forearms. Be like Joey from Friends when he puts on all of Chandler's clothes. You know, it's I classic. don't actually, but <gasps> you don't know that. I've never seen an episode of Friends. Oh, well, not a full one anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a good show, but like, you probably missed the boat on that one. I don't know. Yeah, if you, I don't know if you'd appreciate it. But yeah, you don't say that about Seinfeld. Seinfeld, you're like Drew. You need to watch Seinfeld. You do need to watch Seinfeld. So Seinfeld's how can I miss more, Seinfeld's more your humor than Friends? Oh, okay. Okay. You think it's more timeless? Um, in some ways, mm. but in other ways, it's like, oh, like cell phones made this entire episode obsolete. Yeah. You know. Like most of Seinfeld could be solved with cell phones, smart yeah. like a lot smart, of a lot of a lot of horror films as well from yeah, the eighties. Yeah, it's like yeah, but there's a lot of like there's a lot of observational humor in Seinfeld that yeah. you'd really appreciate, um, uh, and it's just stupid nonsense the whole time, which I think you'd also I like appreciate. stupid nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other thing that I'm dipping my toes back into a little bit is a little bit of car audio stuff which I was super into in my high school and college days. Yeah, I remember then, that. Yep, then I graduated. We had no money, and I didn't even have my own vehicle. Rachel and I shared a car for a long time. And, um, yeah, I just, we were working kids. None of that made any sense. But now, I mean, we're, like, driving our kids to school more, so I'm finding myself, like, driving back from school, and I'm just, like, in the car by myself, and I'm like, oh, I can listen to whatever I want. <laughs> and not, like kids bop or video game songs i need i need to really have some bass in my gary v podcasts well so i was listening to a lot of podcasts but i'm like i'm like i'm working outside a lot too so i listen to my podcast like while i'm doing whatever so like when i'm in the car i could listen to like music and it just made me like miss the days when i was much younger and i would just like be booming out on some kind of bassy song so i have uh i've i've ordered some car audio gear and I have, oh I have a, no i have a subwoofer on the way that i'm gonna be installing oh, in my no. car very practically i didn't go overboard but i'm probably gonna make some things rattle um you know and now it's like i go into youtube and i'm like oh my gosh this is so much easier to learn than it was 20 years ago like I had to just like scour like magazines and like I did like, I don't know, I guess it wasn't that hard. You had to like buy books and stuff like that. But like now it's like I can just sit there on my phone, like literally anywhere and just be like, huh, I wonder how you wire this amplifier and run it like through the firewall in the car. Oh, here's this video showing me exactly how to do it in eight minutes. Cool. Now I know that and can do this immediately. Like so you didn't much have easier. To, you didn't have to mail in an order form to Crutchfield? Oh my gosh. I went to Crutchfield 
Crutchfield, you know, for anybody who's into like home and audio car audio stuff, uh, they're really big in the in that space and have been for a number of years. So they're like their headquarters, like 45 minutes from where we are. Uh, so my my buddy and I, who is also really into car audio, um, decided that we were just going to drive there one day. Being the super planning 17-year-old boys that we were, we literally just like looked at the address on the back of the magazine. We're like, oh, we're just going to go drive here. Didn't look it up or anything. We just drove. We're like, we know it's west. And we drove. We're like, oh, we'll take the exit for that city. Not realizing there's like 20 exits in a city. And oh we just like go and we get lost. And we're like completely, we asked the police officer. We're like, we're trying to get here. He's like, you freaking idiots. Um, he's like, go <laughs> drive like six miles that way and then take seven rights. And then you'll find this really obscure place. And then we go there and it's not the store, like where they have the products. It's like the headquarters for it's like their corporate headquarters. So we basically walk into an office building and we're like, do y'all have any subwoofers here? Oh my God. It was so awkward. Cause I, it was one of those moments where you just knew you're like, Oh, I'm a dumb teenager and I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I've taken me three hours to drive 45 minutes because I didn't know where I was going. And then I walk into this building that clearly is not what I thought it was. And I'm now realizing that I didn't plan anything and I'm, facing the consequences and i have no one to blame but myself cool but anyway so then we they had like an outlet store so then we went to the outlet store we watched the entire toy story 2 movie i remember that because they had like a whole living room set up with all the audio and video stuff there and they just like had a demo movie on and it was like the start of toy story 2 and we just sat there and we watched the entire movie this is when we were 17 we had nothing to do oh my god i think back to when i was younger and i was like I had so much time. I had so much time wow. for everything. Man, I wish I had had more like intentional focus on what I was trying to do at that younger age because I feel like I just had time for everything. Um, but anyway, so that was fun. And then I did something similar one my, time. My I buddy, was, my I buddy was bought li- a subwoofer and then we went home. Oh, there you go. <laughs> at least nothing. you got your sub. <laughs> yeah, we got a sub. I did something similar one time. I needed um, a couple cases of glass bottled cheer wine and i was living in north carolina Mm. at the time so i just drove to the cheer wine headquarters in salisbury north carolina and i was like hey i need some cheer wine i need like glass bottles because we we were i was in film school and they were doing we needed to do like a fake commercial i was like well cheer wine that's gonna be it love cheer wine and so i needed more and they uh they didn't know what the heck i i was doing when i walked in there again there was like (laughs) it was like an office you know they had some like random glass counter with some like random cheer wine merch um but they didn't sell the actual product there but they hooked me up they got me <laughs> you know a couple cases of glass bottles for me to go and i also bought an apron while i was there just for the heck of it cheer wine apron <laughs> that's really Why funny yeah. oh gosh teenage boys yeah we've been them so i feel like we can say teenage boys. they're stupid I can't say for everybody, but I can say I made some choices that were questionable. <laughs> Looking back on, I'm like, why? Like, like clearly your brain's not fully developed at that age because I was just <laughs> like, I I thought I was thinking clearly, and now looking back, it's like I definitely was missing some steps in the process uh, when I was thinking through that whole experience. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so that's kind of fun. So anyway, like I'm like you, Drew. I'm like I'm getting back into it with like excited hesitation because i'm like oh gosh here's another like whole thing it's like a whole thing there's a whole other world there's a lot of things that can be bought and purchased oh i'm sure you've already spent more money on this than i did on all of my vhs movies oh absolutely i'm (laughs) sure about that it's just a more expensive like interest 
But I mean, you only have so many cars. So it's like, unless you like really get ridiculous, which I could see, that's the thing I could, I know I could, you could, you could, you could put a subwoofer on your tractor. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I could put one, I could put one anywhere, you know, but no, it's like you can, so it's, uh, they have these things called SPL competitions, sound pressure, oh God. sound pressure oh. level, which literally is not about like having good sounding music. It's just how loud can you make it? Uh, so it's like, I mean, people filling vans with like 30 subwoofers to the point where it's like you, it like makes your like, <laughs> it can like actually give you like negative physical, like heart aneurysms and stuff like that. If you always sit in there and listen to it too long, it's completely ridiculous. But you know, people are just like scientifically like trying to, you know, achieve the loudest thump basically. Um, and they have whole competitions around this kind of thing. You know, and people take like beater cars because like it literally like destroys the cars, like it rattles the cars apart and they have to like reinforce them with steel and concrete and stuff like that so that it can handle the pressure that these things take. It's so ridiculous. So like, yeah, you go on YouTube and you're like SPL competitions. What is this? Concrete? Yeah, I'm not joking. Okay, I can't. I can't. I'm done. I know, right? So it's like, yeah, there's crazy deep rabbit holes. I'm like, okay, fountain pen's cool. Like, fountain pen's great. Okay, yeah, this is this is this is cool. This is normal. This is my safe space. I start going into other worlds. And I'm like, oh man, there's so many rabbit holes. Oh, this is crazy. This is weird. What am I doing? Nope. Sorry, getting out. But it's like, okay, I just want a little bit of a thump in my car, and that's what I want, and I can achieve that, and that's going to happen. I've, I've done this rodeo. I've installed so many sound systems in previous vehicles. I feel feel comfortable with that. Anyway, all right. It's like we need a whole segment of like random crap that Brian gets into, like trail making and reciprocating saws and woodworking and. You know stereos. what? There, there was there was one person that uh, commented last week that I, I agreed with. They they were saying, you know, what I admit when Brian really went on his trail making tangent, I was a little. I got I nodded off a little bit, but after I saw his pictures, I completely get it respect and that's exactly how i felt brian like i was like why the heck are you talking about trails but then you posted those pictures last week i was like oh this is like some like public park level stuff like with the with the wood on the line i was like okay geez this is i was impressed brian so i i I take back any any negative uh (laughs) any negative faces i made at your at your trail talk that was that was very impressive i would thank you gladly walk walk those trails well yeah and like to take just literally just raw woods and turn it into that yeah that's really cool, cool man yeah very, what I've, very very impressive related to that what i've been doing now so i've got some trails and stuff but like along our driveway and you i've got a pretty long driveway and there's this i have huge trees there's like 70 80 foot pine trees basically all along our driveway thousands of them and um over the years they just fall and so there's all these like fallen leaning half dead decaying tree just huge logs just like laying everywhere and it's like it's fine it's nature but it just like looks kind of unsightly when there's like these broken trees leaning in every direction so i've just been like going through and like cutting and kind of pulling them out clearing them out to give it a little more presentable setting so that's a bit i'm working on the last week we can have something like that and it's like really clearing it up and it's looking nice and i'm like okay this is kind of cool but it's just a crap ton of work. And I'm like, why, do, why am I doing this? Like, no one cares. Barely, barely anybody in my family even cares. And they're the ones that live here. It's like, I don't know. You just, you know, sometimes you do things, Drew, and you're like, why am I doing this? Why do I care about this? Like, I have to do this, but I, I don't even know why I care about this. And All the time. You just do it. And you're like, it's not hurting anybody. It's good exercise. I'm outside. I'm enjoying it. 
I'm like, why am I spending my time pulling logs out of the woods? Literally no one cares. Literally no one. But I'm compelled to do it. And then I'll do it and I'll be like, there, I did that. No one cares. No one will even know that it's there. I took, well, like Ra- you I, mentioned- took Ra- I took Rachel out to see yesterday and she's like, so what am I looking at? And I was like, well, it's more about what you don't see than it is what you see. And she's like, okay. <laughs> she's like, I'm proud of you. She like didn't even know like how to support me. I was like, all right. Well, fine. it's it's what you mentioned earlier about how you know immersed you are in the whole virtual world day to day. It's like it's you've met, you yeah you've covered this before. Like yeah. yeah, you you have an end result, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's an imperceptible end result. But the fact is, the thing that led you to that result, imperceptible as it may be, was therapy. It yeah. was meditative, yeah. and yeah. that is that is crucial. And if you, if you if you feel drawn to do that for your own mental health and like the result, notwithstanding, like that's a good idea for you to yeah. do. Same thing with, I mean, it's just like fountain pens. Fountain pens are meditative in a lot of ways. You you break from the bombardment of stimuli that our digital world creates for us. You get to go and touch something and create something, or in your there case, you destroy. Well, <laughs> well, you're destroying and then you're creating with your destruction. Yeah, I'm I'm destroying plenty. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But then you're using them to make beautiful log lined yeah, trails. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I've been you're just, repurposing it. Yeah, especially since COVID, I've been inspired because like, okay, I could I could go to the gym or I could go on a bike ride or something like that, which I still do. I don't go to the gym, but I I go on bike rides and stuff like that. But it's like, if I go on a bike ride, like I ride around a loop and I come back and I'm like, time has passed. Like, there's nothing that I can like see and touch and yeah. say like i accomplished this but like yeah. when i'm doing yard work especially i'm like very physically active but i'm also like i spread some rock i laid some brick i cut some logs like i can see the fruits of my labor over time just like with the trail picture like you said like wow this has really become a thing over time and now i get to enjoy this thing i don't know so that's i guess kind of what it all pulls back to but i don't know I'm just having fun. Yeah, you keep up, man. Cool. Thanks. Um, all right, let's get on to some company updates. Oh, we were running long. We were talking a lot of nonsense and personal this stuff This is like 50, 15 minutes of fountain pen <laughs> stuff in this episode. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but anyway, for the company updates, we've uh, we've been laying the food on pretty thick for our team. We've got uh, a hot chocolate bar that we did for everybody on Monday. We've done some various breakfasts. I think we had Panera on Wednesday, um, which is pretty good. We've had some other breakfasts as well um, in previous weeks. And then uh, we did something kind of cool with a uh, um, company that we're not like officially affiliated with, but we did buy stuff from them intentionally. Um, it's called John's Crazy Socks. So they're a father and son venture inspired by the co-founder, John Lee Cronin, who's um, a young man with Down syndrome. So uh, their mission is to show... Uh, what is possible? There you go. Drew's got some crazy socks these right are my, now. These are my donut socks. Yeah, those are Drew's crazy socks. Donuts. Um, uh, so their mission is to show uh, what's possible when you give someone a chance, specifically demonstrating what people with intellectual disabilities can do. So pretty cool. And they donate 5% of all their earnings to the Special Olympics. So again, no official affiliation. We're just kind of telling y'all that we found it and we bought socks for our team um, to, you know, because they're cool socks, but also to, to support them. It's kind of neat. And they have like, we saw pictures of their warehouse and we saw like how they do some things. They have like the little goodies in their order. There's so much of like a goulet kind of vibe that we were just like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like we don't often get to experience like that side of it, like being the customer for a company that does all these little things. So when we yeah, see they that, they do uh, like dum dums cool. instead of Tootsie Roll Pops. Yeah, yeah. They just had so many, I mean, they didn't like copy us or anything that I'm aware of, but they just had such a similar kind of like, you know, philosophy on how they present their products and stuff like that. It was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like we'll support them. 
Um, so that was kind of neat. Alright, uh, what is on your desk, Drew? Uh, I got to play with some new brown inks, Brian. Um, so uh, Jacques Urban came out with a Shogun ink. Uh, mm. We talked about that last week, so I got to play with that. And then the uh, uh, there's a, 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 um, a Sailor uh, Fika uh, coffee ink mm-hmm. that also um, is new and got to play with that as well. So two new browns. They're lovely. I They're mean, fun. You can never have too much brown. No, life, right? you cannot. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I don't have it here, but uh, I, I got a Christmas card from my mom, and it just kind of got me thinking about handwriting and just writing in general. Hmm. And when I saw her, she addressed it to the Brown family, and that was so pleasant. But when I saw her handwriting, it just reminded me of how powerful seeing the handwriting of someone who's special to you can be hmm. You know, over time. And just re- reminded me that writing is can can elicit feelings and emotions that are unique to just handwriting and mm. it reminded me instantly of you know seeing her um writing my name on my lunch box or including notes in my lunch or you know you know she'll write something on my second grade folder and seeing her writing just really made me happy you know it gave me that kind of seasonal joy and reminded me of you know how special she is to me and you know being thankful that she's still around but that that all that came from just uh, wow. handwriting and see, seeing that seeing her unique handwriting it was really special and uh, mm. I don't know it just got me made me thankful that I'm in the industry that I'm in you know helping writing continue so that that was a little nice mm. moment for me um, and then on a more comedic note uh, we've covered how I like to write really silly things when I'm testing fountain pens yes uh, I've been writing a lot of this one uh, little collection of words two words that uh, you will get from one of our favorite NBC shows. This week, Brian, I've been writing bird internet quite a lot. <laughs> yes, um, of course. So that, that, that is one of Kenneth Parcell's inventions. He doesn't know what it means. So that, that from 30 Rock, the Kenneth the Page, he's, <laughs> he has a book of ideas, and one of them was bird internet, and he doesn't really know what it means, but it's an idea, and it's That's logged right. in the notebook. So I don't know why. I was just doodling. I'm like, bird internet yep that was and that it's was, got some good letters you've got was, your your uh, capital b you know your t at the end i'm like all right this is gonna be this is gonna go in the rotation so bird internet is definitely in the doodly word and that was uh, that was right his now. idea to save the show when they were on that indefinite hiatus right he was trying to think of ways to save the show and he kept coming up back to bird internet <laughs> i don't know that's Could how you work. do it maybe maybe he's onto something what's um, on your desk brian other than uh, Pokemon puzzles. Pokemon puzzles, yeah. I mean, right now it's like, well, everything I've talked about in the last couple of pencasts is still sitting here on this desk. <laughs> now, I have been working at my my actual desk a little bit more, mainly because the G key on my keyboard, on my laptop, the is what? decided to stop working. Yeah, oh, my G. G, G key. Yeah, the letter okay. G, which thankfully I never need to use because it's not like my name and the company name has the G in it. So... <laughs> I actually don't use a G as much as I would have thought, but it's just like one of those things where it's like every time I have to like either mash the G down or like it just does not want to work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I know I need to get this thing fixed, but it's like, I really don't want to go to the Apple store the week before Christmas and get this keyboard fixed. I've yeah. tried like tutorials and stuff like that. Anyway, so I've been... I'll talk to the, uh, I'll talk to the <laughs> owner of the company about that one. He might be able to help you out. Should really, should really get on that. Um, so yeah, I've got thankfully, you know, like a spare keyboard thing because I usually keep my laptop when I'm at my actual desk, I keep it propped up so that 
I'm looking more straight on at the screen. And then I have like the separate keyboard trackpad kind of thing. So I've just been using like the wireless keyboard thing. So now I'm just, it's actually kind of forcing me to like actually go sit at a desk, which is better because I have two monitors and this whole thing. So it's actually a better setup for me. So I'm working over there and I'm probably being more productive and um, it's not such a bad thing. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just, I mean, I'm going to get the G key fixed, but I'm like, you know what? I'll just maybe not do it at like the busiest time of year at the busiest mall in the city and uh, go ahead to deal with that. So I'll wait, but I do. You could also change your last name. You know what? I feel what? like that's a solution. I think that might work. And I'll just start yeah. like, you know, abbreviating and using slang. Like instead of saying good morning, it'll be like good morning. There you go. Because that's literally how it's coming out when I try to type it. Because I'll like, kind of forget and I'll just barrel right along. Ood. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's no G. It looks like I'm just saying like morning, hanging, or not even hanging because there's <laughs> Hannon. And I'm just I'm like, oh, like, this is just really frustrating. So it's making me slow down all my writing because like how often yeah, do you, how often do you no use good. any random letter? And it's like, this is really aggravating. Anyway, yeah. so that's the thing. Well, that's about it. Really not a huge problem, but I'm making it work. All right. We've gone on long enough on this one for we sure. We certainly have. We certainly have. I, I will <laughs> gladly include timestamps for anybody who yes. doesn't want to hear, you know, an hour of nonsense and maybe, you know, 30 well, minutes of pen related talk well then you're uh watching the wrong thing if that's you true that's also that, true we shouldn't even like set the expectation that that's going to change yeah. um but um, we are gonna we are gonna have some um outages around the holidays we'll be back regular time mm-hmm. next week uh, i think we're gonna do a question did, extravaganza so if you have any questions send, send them our way i think uh, we're, but then we're, we're gonna, gonna take we're gonna publish early we're gonna, though we're gonna do it on thursday instead of friday i think yeah because friday's yeah. christmas and, eve and it's like we got stuff going on we're closed that day at our office yeah and then we're going to take a week off. Yep. So this won't be the last one of the year, but next week will. So that'll be happening. Um, yeah. So please be sure to leave us some feedback on how we're doing in the comments. Um, subscribe, like, share, all those things. They all help us out and get more people to see our stuff. You can email us at pencastagulipens.com if you're listening to the audio version and you don't feel like logging on to a whole separate platform and typing a comment. Uh, we would understand. You can just email us. And my fun random fact is sort of Christmas related. When you find yourself standing under a sprig of mistletoe, it's time for a Christmas kiss in, I don't know, some cultures. But while mistletoe was once considered an aphrodisiac by the Druids, it also has a very odd literal meaning. According to Interflora, the original name for mistletoe was mistletan. Mistle comes from the Anglo-Saxon word for dung, and tan means stick. So when you kiss under a mistletoe, you're kissing under a dung stick. <laughs> Ew. Think about that next time you're under a mistletoe. It's also the only <laughs> weakness of Balder, the Norse god. A mistletoe? Yes, son of Odin. He's, he, he is invincible unless... Unless you uh, unless have mistletoe, you it kind of cancels out. Unless, it's kind of like Achilles. It's kind of like Achilles' heel. Okay, unless you have a very fragile, dainty sprig of this plant. <laughs> this is Achilles' heel. Yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. All right, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. No judgment. Hey, do your thing. Yeah, he didn't make it. No. Did any no. of them? I don't see any. No. I don't see any of them around anymore these days. Yeah, so the, 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 yeah. It's the. I think it's the only like pantheon of gods that has a an apocalypse. You know, Ragnarok. You know, they all died. So, hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know as much about that as I probably could. I know more about it than I should. Well, there you go. We balance each other out. Sounds good. That's Rabbit all. holes. <laughs> That's all we got for y'all this week. Have a wonderful week until we see you again. And be sure to write on. Bye.